Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. However, the issue I found was I'm obviously trying to offer a unique spin on Caribbean food. And I often found, you know, you've got all types of European cuisines because they consider that to be diverse. If there's a... Eastern European stool and then there's a French stool and then you've got an Italian pasta stool that's fine but they lump African and Caribbean together which (laughs) was a which was my first hurdle I learned very quickly (laughs) hi welcome to Black Ticulate a podcast series featuring UK young black professionals where we find out how they do what they do so you can too or not. After all, it is your life. <laughs> what up, what up, what up? I haven't actually said that in ages. Do you know the did Kevin Hart? Did that feel so good? Yeah, it did. It really did. <laughs> Guys, season two. Whoop, whoop. Um, I don't know when I could stop saying that we're officially two years old, but we're officially two years old. And to celebrate that, we launched a YouTube channel. So yeah, please subscribe to that. If this is the first time you guys are coming to Black Ticulate, thank you, welcome. Black Ticulate, really and truly, it's all about featuring UK young black professionals where we try and find out how they do what they do so we all can, so you can. Fee, say hi. Hi, everyone. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time you're doing a sort of conversation interview, right? First time ever, yeah. Gotcha. So tell my listeners about you, who you are, what you do, and we'll just kick off from there and just have a conversation okay cool i'm fee which is short for afia but everybody calls me fee that's a fire name though afia my full name is afia titus people love the surname yeah (laughs) that is lit honestly that's an amazing name where's it from um so my name's actually arabic people think it's ghanaian i think born on a friday in ghanaian is afia Ah. but it's arabic which means good health Gotcha. Are Um, you Arabic? I'm not. My family just confuse everyone. My brother's got a Jewish name. Okay. I've got an Arabic name. We don't eat pork, but we're Christian. Excellent. I love Um, that. But yeah, so that's my name. Yeah. And I have recently left my my job in the the sort of the corporate city rat race to start my own healthy Caribbean food venture. It's called Lime Hut and it's starting off uh, in the street food space looking at sort of how this year will progress um looking to expand oh what you've literally just started literally just started so i look at that gr- we've got an exclusive <laughs> interview do you know when she can look back five years down the line and go yeah my first ever interview was a black ticulate look at me now guys <laughs> made it forbes list feel like i've made Everything. it already no brilliant 
Okay, so it did pick up on the fact that you said you were a chartered accountant. Or did you? Or did you say you are just a corporate environment and you got rid of Yeah, but specifically, uh, I am a chartered accountant. I work, I, I say work present tense because I'm actually on a sabbatical year. So oh, that's smart. Yeah. Okay, so you haven't really jumped into the deep end of just being I mean, I wanted to, but they actually said, look, be just handing in your notice and starting a business is very risky we want to support you in this so why don't you take a 12 month sabbatical instead see how it goes if for whatever reason it's you know maybe not gone as planned come back with open arms if it's gone very well just remember us in the future when you need consulting or order auditors so so that's actually really encouraging it is encouraging and i think big companies whilst you can maybe get swallowed up in sort of not um a chance to shine the way you can in smaller firms they have the structure there to really support you for things like this okay so this is something that i guess a lot of people listening might also be feeling that itch to do something a bit more entrepreneurial a bit more creative so tell us about that journey and why you thought this was a great time to start doing it and we'll get into the specific hows yeah so i suppose i'd been hosting sort of supper clubs and random pop-up events almost as a hobby for quite a while okay and then some people from work came to some of my events and they were raving about it and they loved it and the word spread quite quickly to some more senior people and they came to my next event and they loved it then my supper club started to sell out and I thought oh this hobby is turning into (laughs) business yeah there's there's some legs here so Tell me about the supper club. How'd you start that? Jeez, uh, honestly, this I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, genuinely, I've just always loved cooking. I was this weird kid that used to host dinner parties at my at my mum's house okay. <laughs> at my mum and dad's house. Write little menus. <laughs> like yeah. it was a real thing, like age twelve. Awesome. I think it's quite, kind of just extended from there. The reason why my supper clubs, which started off as Lime Hut, that's sort of Lime Hut's genesis, I guess, was the supper clubs. Um. The reason why I went down the healthy Caribbean route was I realized there was a slight issue in our community with diabetes and high blood pressure and sort of all these health aspects are directly linked to our diet. Our diet yeah. And I took some colleagues from work to a local Caribbean takeaway one lunch and they loved it. And I was like, great. And then we had this big meeting at about two o'clock that afternoon. And absolutely everyone, without exception, was like, food coma, can't concentrate. <laughs> oh my gosh, cheat day. And I thought, cheat yeah, cheat day. They're like, oh no, it's not even Friday. Yeah. What have we done? Um, and I realized people love our food, but you can't eat that day in, day out at lunchtime when you're working like that. It's just, it's a sure recipe to, to get the itis, yeah. I guess. The itis. The itis. Not being very productive at work. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's fine, on a su- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine on a Sunday, but when you're in back-to-back meetings, it's maybe not, not the most conducive diet. So I saw that there was an issue that needed to be addressed in terms of making sure our diet was... But I almost still want to get into the nuances because you really jumped there and you saw a gap like, yeah, obviously Caribbean food is delicious. Yeah. It's lit. I mean, come on. <laughs> but you're right. Insofar as the health aspect, maybe there can be some changes to yeah. the ingredient to just make it more not so heavy. But for you, you started off age 12, as you said, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just writing up menus and inviting people to come eat at your place. Yeah. Did your parents not say, wait a minute, what are you doing here? Your no, background. I, my parents encouraged the cooking because 
they love food yeah. as most people do <laughs> and I, I did used to cook the family meal probably like once a week as really? a kid yeah I didn't realize that was weird until I spoke to other people yeah. that were, were cooking 12, yeah. for the first time when they got to university but I mean my mum is a bum cook and my dad's actually really good too but right. he just does it like once a year he's like Christmas is my day okay gotcha <laughs> but, but um I had two working parents and it was something I enjoyed, so I took it on as one of my chores. I think I negotiated that I didn't have to do the dishwasher if I got to go. Oh, really? Okay, awesome. Awesome. So, <laughs> so it was like kind of like one of my chores once a week. The, yeah. the kitchen has just always been the soul of my, my home growing up. That's awesome. And I get it from a passion perspective, almost as, when I say passion, it's almost like your lifestyle, right? Yeah. How comes then you didn't pursue it, like you didn't go to chef school, you didn't do all of that instead? Yeah, so I think, um, I don't... Thing, I was ever sort of taught to think about something I could do outside of your, the typical trodden path that was sort of set out that, you know, you go to school, you get your A grades, you go to a good uni, you then get a corporate job, whether that's in law, as a doctor or in finance. And I just feel like at home and at school, that's all that was ever taught to me and told right. to me. I actually even remember <laughs> My sixth form tutor told us I went to an all-girls school. Okay. He said... Give it a shout out. <laughs> Why not? In case anyone's listening to it. And they're like, what? Things on? Okay. Yeah, well, Queen Anne's, I don't think anyone would have heard of it. It's a pretty small school in um, Berkshire. How dare you? I've got people in all different spaces. How dare you? just mean you? it's a tiny school. All I'm saying is, is you, know, you don't know about Black Tickle. We put people on. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> yeah, well, my sixth form tutor said, girls... One thing to really consider is law as a profession is great because they're really good for maternity leave. Okay. <laughs> and at the time I was like, great advice. Yeah, I'm a woman. I will probably have children at some point. Amazing. And I mean, I think it is true. I've heard that law is pretty good for maternity <laughs> leave. Right. But I was just like, oh, this is the corporate job I can get that, you know, earns well, you know, looks good in society and will accommodate me being a woman. Great. Right. And didn't really think outside of that. I didn't know. I could be an engineer. I didn't know I could, on the flip side, go and do something creative, like become a songwriter. We were constantly told, those are passions, mm. you know, but you, you get your safe job. And I think I listened to society. And your parents also pushed that, did they? Yeah, definitely. I don't think I sort of overly expressed a, a passion that I was going to be this sort of chef extraordinaire and they squashed it. It was more just that I was sort of taught that these are the routes you go down. The safe path. The, the safe path, um, you know, maybe get a qualification and then life should be okay. Right. <laughs> and I, th I think I just didn't really question it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I sort of, I guess, started out in the corporate world mm -hmm. that I realized I had friends that were doing really creative things or, or maybe not the sort of set trodden path and they were doing really well in it. Mm. And I thought, oh... We always sort of got told at school and, uh, and just society tells you that, oh, you know, if you go on to try and be an actor, you're going to be that one that's going to be the waitress for the rest of right. your life. And, <laughs> and then I've got a friend that's suddenly in a West End show on the cover and her face is on a bus. Yeah, amazing. And you're just like, they aren't anomalies. If you work really hard and are really passionate, everyone I know that's pursuing the, the sort of creative sphere are doing really well. And I think I stopped listening to the <laughs> the set mode. That the naysayers. The naysayers, exactly. Yeah. And I thought, well, okay, what well, can I do? Amazing. So tell me about your first steps of thinking, because I know you said from the supper clubs, they became really popular. 
and you're like, holy smokes, there's a business in this. Yeah. So how did you start establishing this business? <laughs> we're in a cafe guys and you know I always try and make sure the sound is as good as I possibly can but sometimes you get people playing pool right? you get coffee um, the question I guess I'm asking is what were your first steps and is this a traditional first steps when anyone's thinking about starting up their own business so I guess mine isn't the traditional in the, the sense you sort of chatted about my little safety net I've got of the sabbatical year what I would say is if anyone is in a similar position, you're in a sort of, you've got a corporate job and you're thinking of making the, the leap, but it does seem a bit scary to leap from the very safe into the unknown. A six-figure salary? Ooh. Uh, I'm okay. not saying that <laughs> at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, yeah. But what I would say is just ask. Everyone is so surprised that I've been given the sabbatical. They didn't know that this was something could be offered and to be honest I didn't know either but just ask well, if you don't ask you don't get and I guess in terms of the steps of me going from that point sort of discussing the sabbatical with with my HR partner and actually leaving was to think about how am I going to tackle this sabbatical year and essentially I'm seeing it as a, a tester year and for that reason I wasn't going to launch straight into a bricks and mortar sort of shop where I could sell my food. Right, okay. It's, it's a tester year. So, so that's the dream, having a brick and mortar store. End goal, yeah. End goal, okay. Um, multiple, franchising. Oh. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into that later. I must. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the way that I, I decided I wanted to tackle this sabbatical year was in the street food scene. And so what I started doing was applying to street food markets. And I started doing this before I left Deloitte. Right. What became very apparent was street food is a very saturated market and the wait lists for lots of these markets are absolutely insane uh, a lot of markets aren't even taking applications anymore right are there specific street food markets or yeah so which, there's so or is there like an organization top that how do you do this there's application so many process? different types so you've got first of all you've got your sort of private street food markets those are things like Borough Market. I think most people have heard of that yep. in central London. You've then got these sort of designated spaces. It's like street food, but it's not like from a gazebo or a food truck. It's sort of like the dineramas and the, the street feast right. um, areas. Yeah. And then you've got these council-run markets, which are your sort of local street food markets. It's not just street food. They they also have other offerings. Yeah. But you'll have street food amongst... Arts the, and crafts and stuff. Yeah, like exactly that kind of thing. Or a guy selling plants, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I decided to go down the, the council street food market route. Is um, that the easiest of the three? I mean, or maybe that's not being fair when I say easiest. Yeah, I don't know... That, yeah. It's hard to say what's easier because there's sort of pros and cons for either okay. in terms of what's easier. Things like council markets are definitely cheaper okay. because it's a local authority run market. There's higher levels of administration, but equally because they are perhaps cheaper in terms of your pitch fee, the waiting lists are just insanely long. Oh, I see. And most of them aren't offering. But I was quite lucky in that I was looking at the various markets and seeing no spaces for applications, no spaces for applications constantly. And then I came across one that said, we are relaunching this market next year and we are now taking applications for hot food. And I was like, finally. Amazing. <laughs> I've just had okay. door shut after door shut after door shut. Regarding the applications aspect as well, if we can just still continue yeah. on this, does it matter of your produce? Yes and no. Okay. No in the initial stage. However, the one thing that I found was my main challenge was 
markets want to be diverse. So if they've already got one Caribbean stall, they don't want a second. So yeah. I guess your produce matters in that respect. If you're if you're offering a cuisine that is already being offered, they don't want to well for competition reasons. Yeah, no, I guess they sense. yeah they it don't want sense. to do that. However, the issue I found was I'm obviously trying to offer a unique spin on Caribbean food, and I often found you know you've got all types of European cuisines because they consider that to be diverse. If there's a Eastern European stool and then there's a French stool and then you've got an Italian pasta stool that's fine but they lump African and Caribbean together yeah. which <laughs> yeah, was okay. a which was my first hurdle I learned yeah. very quickly <laughs> so you were saying about you eventually found a place that was accepting applications because yes. they're relaunching yes and this is a market in Soho which is a council-run market did my application and like most councils, it took a little while to hear back from them. Um, How long does it take? I sent this application in April. Right. I left Deloitte at the end of June and I heard from them in August. <laughs> it's about five, six months, right? Yeah. Okay, wow. Um, I then had to go and pitch to them alongside oh, other in people. Person? In person. Okay. And I think this is maybe because they're doing a big relaunch as opposed to it being an already running active yeah. market what does pitch look like is it you have to bring the food so no, they can sample it yeah no or? so actually nobody brought samples oh. um absolutely no one because we, <laughs> we could watch everyone else's and i thought i remember thinking i think i've missed a trick by not bringing samples but i also didn't want to bring cold because we had to be there at the beginning of the day and then pitch later right i didn't really want to bring cold <laughs> <laughs> cold hot food I but i assumed that the guy doing the bakery would have brought cakes and he didn't so everybody <laughs> brought samples but no they wanted to get a feel for how we would fit into their independent market even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I guess they're not looking for the huge companies that are just going to put a sort of an outlet there. They're looking for brand new startups. Yeah. Um, they wanted to hear our story. They wanted to hear why our produce is unique yeah. and what we're kind of bringing to the area to maybe make their market the crown jewel. In the area. So from a pitch perspective and just an application, I think we can pretty much 
almost extract. They want to know your background, your story. They want to know how it's unique and differs to the others and how that potentially can help them and their platform. Exactly. And their environment. Yeah. Exactly that. Okay. The reason why I'm bringing up this particular market is because after the pitch, I got I got chosen. Amazing. So, which was great news. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And I'll be starting um, at this market in Soho, Berwick Street Market, at the end of November slash beginning of December. Oh, wow. So yes. pretty much now. Yeah. Oh, I say that now. Forgive me. I don't know when this is going to come out. So maybe we, maybe we, maybe we re-edit this. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I just bum this up in the queue. Um, in a few weeks' time yeah. <laughs> is what we can go for. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Uh, congrats. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, so that in itself, what were the um, were there any challenges within that, and how did you overcome them? Um, from the jump, the way they sort of scored us our criteria before I even got to the pitch level. One of the questions, and this weighted your result by 40 percent which is a significant okay. amount was have you traded before, um, before? right gotcha <laughs> nope <laughs> novice yeah. so straight away i was minus 40 pleased to say i nailed the rest yeah. of the 60 <laughs> and i think that's the only reason why i got a shoe in but that that was off-putting when i f- filled that form out initially because i thought how am i ever gonna get somewhere if there's a waiting on yeah. Me having done it before. Having had experience yeah. prior. It's yeah. the, you know, that typical joke. People say they want someone age 21 to join the company with 47 years experience. Yeah, it, yeah. I thought, oh no, <laughs> even outside of the corporate world, it's <laughs> like this. Um, but I actually understand wh- why they ask these questions. It's They want to know that you're compliant with health and safety food regulations. You know, it's really important to not give people food poisoning. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I think these are mistakes that people make early on in their street food careers having spoken to lots of people and people maybe cut corners because it's cheaper and you get I think quite a heavy-handed <laughs> sort of fines or at least repercussions yeah. from council if, if you don't follow these strict guidelines understandably yeah. and so they sort of ask these questions about your experience because if you have then proven that you have traded they then go into your history of your your hygiene ratings and all these things which yeah tell me about tell me about that though because i don't know anything about that regarding like you know health and safety and hygiene ratings i mean i see it in the vinyls like you know the stickers and restaurants but i'm assuming you know i hope you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um because i haven't started trading yet i'll be assessed when i do okay yeah however before i started i had to sort of show all my food level hygiene certificates you know i've i've, I've where do you go for those so stuff? one example is and this company are great they're called ncas 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 so the national caterers association for street food and caterers so it's yeah they're, they're sort of an all-encompassing resource they they give support they give discounts on equipment they do online training amazing um absolutely any question you could ever have about catering whether that's starting up or even just maintaining it, they've, they've got you covered. Okay. So Guys, I, as always, you know, I'm going to throw that in the show notes. So, <laughs> awesome. Hey, keep at it. Yeah. So I became a member of NCAS. They advised me on the correct equipment I should have, the safest equipment. They give you gas safety training. All these things that you maybe haven't considered as a non-street food trader, they just make sure you're absolutely covered. And then I completed all my food hygiene certification online with them got sent out my certificate so anyone can see when I do start trading that you know I'll hold up my certificate they can see that I'm compliant in 
just for public perception, that's important to yeah, know for that sure. uh, you are handling their food with care. Yeah, I'm not going to poison them or give them any sort of... Anyway, I'm curious though, money, because you just mentioned equipment, you mentioned a lot of training and stuff. To be honest, it's cheaper than people think, okay. perhaps. Um, it, I mean, you can you can definitely borrow, beg, steal, borrow equipment. I personally went for... Just, Don't steal, by the way, guys. Yeah. You know, just throw it out in the mix. <laughs> it's a sustainous expression. Yeah, it's, it's definitely just an expression. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm still bound to the uh, accountant's the code of ethics. Yeah. I promise <laughs> I don't endorse stealing. Um, where was I? Completely no, apologies. It. You said in regards to just equipment and we're talking money and how it be. Yeah, so I think it obviously depends on what kind of cuisine you're going for on street food, but I've kept it pretty simple. I've got my, my gas grill to grill my jack chicken on nice i've got my bamaries guys i wish i had video the way the way fee said that she looked to me <laughs> she, she always did an elvis sort of quip you know, my jerk chicken, my jerk chicken. yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant yes yeah, so you got your um, gas grill i've got my bamaries which are essentially it's it's for holding hot food it, at safe temperatures other people maybe use chafing dishes which are a sort of a more manual way of holding hot food with candles with candle heat but Uh, it's not consistent and I just wanted to hit the ground running being fully compliant not cutting corners and that was something I wasn't prepared to compromise on because rice believe it or not is the one of the number one causes of food poisoning really because apparently I've learned so much about rice you wouldn't believe the different like pockets the gaps around the rice like allow different temperatures to form and that's the reason why food poisoning occurs. And with something like a chafing dish, it's really hot at the bottom, but it's not consistent all the way through. And whilst I think you're allowed to use chafing dishes, it's not best practice. So I just decided with my equipment, I wanted to go in straight away with best practice. I just don't want to cut corners when it comes to people's health. And so I'd say all in with equipment, you're looking at about... And like your gazebo and your tent and everything. Uh, Which I've gone is for the branded. As well. Branded, yep. So I've gone for the gazebo rather than the food truck. I see. She went for the Rolls Royce. No, I'm joking. I don't know <laughs> no, the you. food truck is the Rolls Royce. So I've okay. gone for the Peugeot 206. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, the Peugeot 206. <laughs> I had a Peugeot 206, which is why I went for that one. Um, all in about four or five K. And you saved up, I assume, or did you take a loan, a small business loan, or anything like that? Saved up. Gotcha. Yeah. It helps to be in a corporate environment, doesn't it? (laughs) It really does, clearly. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to give you the free reign before we get into the light fire questions and whatnot. But is there anything, if you look at it from my audience perspective, since we're having a conversation, is there anything that they need to be aware of if they themselves wanted to start a street food business? Yeah, I think, I mean, character is kind of important. Okay, explain what you mean. Essentially... It's tough work. I think a lot of people think selling street food is really easy. They think you just turn up at a market. you And if people want to buy it, they buy people it. People want yeah. to buy it and you serve them. But it's very, very, very labor intensive. It's just small things like um, like the gazebo. It's It weighs about 50 kg. Now, I weigh 50 kg. <laughs> and I like to think mango's gym and all that. But like... Yeah, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's tough it's tough um i can do it by myself but it definitely helps to have someone setting up the equipment with you you know i'm carrying really heavy duty metal tables back and forth and the other thing is with street food 
it's we live in the UK. Yeah. Everyone knows it's not sunny every day. Ain't sunny every day. It's freezing cold. It's dark in the mornings. You just have to be resilient. It's not glamorous. It's mm. just not glamorous at all. And I think people get into street food because they've heard about the sort of street food success stories like Daddy Donkey. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're a Mexican burrito brand that started off as a street food truck and now have some outlets. Okay. And so sort of most people are going for that vibe not realizing that Daddy Donkey started off at four in the morning, yeah. like driving down with their food truck, carrying things in the in the rain, in the snow. People need to be aware of that side of thing because that's n- never talked about. Oh, I hear that. Agreed. Okay, so tell me about Lime Hot and then let's see how we collectively can help not only support where we can go and whatnot and just, you know, make it become the beast that it ought to be. Thank so, you. yeah, how does it differentiate itself amongst other foods? And I guess this was what you did when you were pitching, right? Yeah, exactly. So what is Lime Hut? Yes. Essentially, it takes inspiration from the foods and spices that I found growing in my granddad's yard in the West Indies. So mm. my granddad's from, my dad's parents are from Jamaica and my mum's parents are from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So I took inspiration from both of their gardens, what was growing in there. And I thought about how inherently they're healthy, but the cooking methods we traditionally use to cook them (laughs) is not healthy. And so it was addressing this balance. Essentially, it's inspired by those flavors and spices, but offering a modern, healthy twist on it. So just as an example, plantain or plantain, that's always a debate. Always a debate. You saw me, my eyes were... "Mm." I'm going (laughs) to stick with plantain, but (laughs) plantain is typically deep fried loads of salt i just pan fry it and coconut oil it's about changing the methods of cooking not necessarily taking away from the flavor itself it's taking staple ingredients like jerk scotch bonnet ginger coconut these flavors but remixing it in a healthy modern almost like a metropolitan way i guess i feel like our generation more so than our grandparents actually care about um, health and fitness more obviously not everyone but as a, as a whole the statistics show that millennials are leading the way for healthy eating change and I just don't see why healthy eating has to be kale yeah okay yeah okay no I'm absolutely with you so that's how you differentiate yourself yeah yeah so what's the dream for it the definite end goal is to is to get a permanent shop establishment the reason why I say shop rather than restaurant is it's aiming for that lunchtime market. I guess a high street equivalent of your pods, your Leons. And the thing with them is they know how to systemize really well. And by that, I mean the quality control and also the methodologies in making the products so they yeah. can actually scale, can't they? Exactly. They can become a franchise and the likes of. Exactly. So is that something that you're working towards as well? Yeah, so so scalability is really important and that's what we're going to be honing in on this year as well. I mean... You keep saying we, I love it. Are you using a royal we? I'm using using a royal we. Okay, brilliant. No, 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 I love that. I love that because I thought, oh, maybe she has more than one. That said, no, I do have, um, whilst, you know, I am a sort of self-started entrepreneur, I do have a team of people that are supporting Lime Hut. I also have a team of students that I mentor that are also my staff and it's really awesome I when I say we I'm talking about them as well they're a really great bunch of kids I've been mentoring for about 10 years and it just made sense to work it into our business model which is Lime Hut Helps this I'm going off into a complete tangent here Lime Hut Helps yes where essentially I mentor 
sixth form students and university students from historically underrepresented backgrounds in the corporate world. Well, not just corporate world, I think any world of media. Yeah. <laughs> Most industries, I believe, there's representation as an issue. And so I mentor these kids from an academic point of view and also professional point of view, whether that's CV writing workshops to if they've got a goal and we'll set measures as to how we'll track their progression and get them towards their goal. I was doing that before I even started Limehut and so we've just worked it into the model that they work for me as well so they're, they're my lovely waiters and waitresses that you'll see if you ever come to our supper clubs um, or even to the street food market when we get started up but equally they're getting some mentorship as awesome. well. My end goal would be to ensure that we sort of have a constant rotation of you know we've got these sixth form students that are really bright and energetic and we build them up with confidence that they can go on to the unis of their choice or into the industries of their choice if they're not going down the academic route and that they'll just flourish and be awesome human beings yeah no 100% here here to that you're echoing pretty much the ethos of black ticklate as well but I'm wondering where did that come from for you like I suppose so I I grew up in Berkshire well the Reading area and um, my aunts run an after-school club called Reading Black Women's Group After School Club. They It was basically a place for all of us kids um, whose parents were working to, to sort of have a safe place to play and also learn about our culture after school. Amazing. Um, and it also ran through the summer holidays and Easter, all that kind of stuff. Admittedly now, all, most of the kids there aren't black, <laughs> but when I was growing up in the 90s, um, pretty much all of us were black, apart from Tom and Sarah. They, yeah, they, they, they rode with us. <laughs> Shout out to Shout Tom out and Tom Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> Even though that's a very generic name, so is that, let's assume it's you. It yeah. And my aunts got in touch with a school called Dolphin School, who were basically offering scholarships for young, bright black kids to to go to their prep school. So that's a, essentially a school that goes um, from Montessori Nursery up to age 13. Amazing. And Are my they still going? Do you know? Dolphin School. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. It's um, it's a really, I don't know. When you go to your school, it's you don't realize it's different to other schools. But we had no school uniform. We called teachers by their first names. It's it's quite a. It was a cool place to learn. We were always on adventures, um, school trips up castles in Wales or visiting France. We were never like in the classroom. It was a really really cool, cool school and grounding in education. But um, it was a fee paying school, and uh, a lot of us kids that got selected to to do these tests to get into this school our parents weren't absolutely rolling in it and we needed bursaries so my aunts basically spoke to the school said that they had a group of bright young black kids and they understood the representation was important and that it'd be important for a group of us to go there not just one One of us we we took our exams and five of us started going to dolphin school and our parents used to carpool us because it was quite far from, it was on the complete other side of Reading, yeah. And growing up and finding out these things, I realised that I had a great grounding and an incredible education at Dolphin School. I then went on to get a full scholarship at um, a boarding school for my secondary school. Not to say that that wouldn't have definitely happened without the grounding at Dolphin, but I'd definitely helped. <laughs> it also opened my parents' eyes to this f- form of education. And because of that and everything that my aunts did and my understanding of what that meant for me and and sort of how my life has gone since then, I just think it's really, really important that we address representation and that we build each other up. And having sort of key role models and mentors in my life, such as my aunts and my parents, 
and having other friends at my school that looked like me and was from the same um, social background as me and the same cultural background as me was so important that I just, I just, I can't, I can't see. Oh, you're like, paying it forward yeah no, I'm paying yeah, it forward I hear that no I'm that's amazing and yeah it just goes to show that these are critical and essential and we need to keep doing more of it so no honestly thanks for sharing that that was amazing and your answer amazing so anything else that we haven't discussed before we go to the light fire questions or can we jump into those let's just jump into the fire jump into the jump fire in. okay so your answers don't necessarily have to be quick please make them so if you were to do a TED talk on anything other than your profession, so not chartered accountancy or necessarily entrepreneurship, what would it be on? That's such a hard question. <laughs> and I meant to answer quickly and I'm struggling so hard. <laughs> I'm going to have to come back to that one. Okay. Oh, what? No. no. Okay. Let's uh, go to the next one. So if you had your last five pounds, what would you spend it on? I'm someone that prefers experiences to things. Okay. What five pound experience would you get? I don't think I need to spend my last five pounds. I'd give it away. Would you? Okay. <laughs> if there was a one-way ticket to a tropical island for five quid, but that doesn't exist. No, wow. I'd, I'd give it away. Okay, brilliant. Um, another question I love to ask is, because Black Articulate is Black Action Articulate, is there any word in the English language that you dislike and why? Ooh. <laughs> so bad at this quick fire round. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't a word I dislike. There's not one that makes You know you how everybody hates cool. the word moist? I don't yeah. hate it. It's funny, actually. I've actually got someone did answer. I hate the word moist. Loads like, of really? people hate the word moist. I, yeah, don't, I don't have hate for any words. Okay, brilliant. In so far as success, who springs to mind when I say the word success, success and why? When I think of success, I always think of my parents. Okay. Sounds pretty corny, but um, yeah. they grew up in the 60s in Britain as, you know, the typical no dogs, no blacks, no Irish. And they've really built something special that I would love to emulate one day. I think they're just great role models. Amazing. And a penultimate question before we find out how we can find you is how would you like to be remembered? I'd like to be remembered as adventurous and as someone that always wanted to give back amazing how can we find you and when we do what would you like us to actually do yeah um you can find us uh on instagram uh lime hut london lime Lime. hut london okay like the entire word london or lime oh yeah the entire word london so. so lime underscore hut underscore london but if you just type in lime hut it should come up give us a like give us a follow um we're also on facebook and twitter again same lime hut and in person, you should be able to find us on Berwick Street Market in Soho in a few weeks' time. Um, so come on down and try out our lunchtime offerings. And if you can't make it on lunchtimes in Soho, we do monthly supper clubs in Islington and monthly brunches in Kensal Rise. So Amazing. just follow us to stay up to date on those and how you can get tickets. Yeah. And yeah. So you mentioned your socials. Do you also have a website in which where we can get all this information? Yes, www.limehut.co.uk. So guys, please do share the love, you know. And if there was anything I didn't ask Fee, because she's absolutely lit, you already know, please let me know because I was trying to become better, better, better accountable to you all. Fee, thanks very much for your time. Thank you for your time. And, no, I really appreciate it. So hopefully we'll check back on you in a year's time. And I'll still be doing my jerk chicken dance. And you'll still be doing your jerk chicken <laughs> dance. <laughs> Thank you.
Hey guys, we really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback, please leave it in the comment section below. Also, all the info about the guests, the links and the resources we speak about will be in the description below. And last but not least, please, please, please do get in touch if you can teach us how you do what it is you do. Because after all, Black Ticulate is all about empowering and upskilling the community. Thanks, guys. You're the best. See you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 